Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry skies, see your hand in time, and mine to lead me through the night. Second Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse number 1. Last week as we ministered God conductors, that was the third week of that series. Today is the fourth week of the series. If you missed any of those previous ones, and today you might be a little bit lost about what we're talking about, you can find those previous ones online. Last week, um, I was good and worked up while presenting the Word of God. Sometimes uh, I'm pretty boisterous. Um, I, I get a little loud. Sometimes I work up a bit of a sweat. Uh, sometimes it just is the way that that works. Uh, there are things and topics uh, that I think are benefited by a more, shall we say, boisterous presentation. But there are also topics that benefit from a conversational, talking kind of way. So today, I'm going to be more conversational. I'm just going to do some ordinary talking. Um, either way, we're sharing the Word of God. The style of presentation is still sharing the Word of God. The way that we communicate the Word of God. Even those who write about God's Word are sharing the Word of God in a written form. Those who sit in a small group during our faith groups are sharing the Word of God in a discussion format. Not all sharing of God's Word is done by an individual standing before a collection of folks that are hopefully able to pay attention. But there are many facets of communicating and proclaiming and declaring God's Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, the last number of weeks, we've looked at this passage and we will again today. Paul is the author, he's an apostle, was an apostle, and he's writing to one of his protégés, Timothy, a follower of Jesus Christ. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. I don't know how you feel, but there are times when I read that passage and frankly there's something in me that says, you know what, I, I would prefer that things were just easy. Perhaps you're more spiritual than that, but that comes across my mind. I wish things would just be more easy, and I think that's part of our desire as humans. I think it's part of our cultural ingraining as Americans. But easy isn't guaranteed in Scripture. Yes, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Indeed, and in regard to our relationship with him and his desires and requirements and instruction for us, easy is promised. That's between us and him. But we live among we and them. And that being the case, this horizontal life contains difficulty. And, and Paul is clear, there will be very difficult times. Why is that? Well, he explains, life on this planet's filled with people and people are far from perfect. And he explains some of that imperfection. In verse 2, people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. 
They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. On earth, very difficult times result from people who reject God's transforming power. And so the essence of the series that we're concluding today is that rather than reject the power of God, how might we conduct it? How might we release the power of God? And then the first message we referred to faithful teachings. And then the second message we talked about focus and paying close attention. Last week, we looked at these verses, beginning at verse 15, where Paul wrote, You've been taught the holy scriptures from childhood. They have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scriptures inspired by God is useful to teach what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Scripture is a powerful God conductor. And today I want you to notice the very next verse, verse number 17. After telling us of the power of Scripture, he says, God uses it, God uses Scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Every good work that's defined and presented and explained in here, there are also instructions on how to fulfill that good work. Right here in this book. As we read this holy book, we find many good works that the Lord calls us to and to become. And every one of his prescribed works is facilitated by his word. Here's what we can be sure of. If the Lord calls us to it, his word prepares us for it. If God calls us to it, his word prepares us for it. In other words... When the word calls us to love our God with all our hearts, minds, and strengths, in here then I find ways to do that and instructions on how to fulfill it. As the word compels us to love our neighbors as ourselves, the word enables us to accomplish just that. As the word directs us to live our lives in sexual purity, The word also facilitates what that looks like and how we can do so. As the word says, you know what, you shouldn't lie and you shouldn't steal. But we also find in here then the way to be truthful and the way to be honest. The word teaches us this, love your father and your mother. The word teaches us to honor our spouses, but it also empowers us to practice things that display that honor. The Lord doesn't point us to desires and then leave us to figure it all out. Rather, the Lord follows up on his direction with instruction. When the Lord calls us to it, his word prepares us for it. 
Now, here's the, the interesting part, perhaps a challenging part of that truth. If the Lord calls us to it and his word prepares it for it, us for it, here's what that does. It invalidates my excuses for not becoming what he's called me to become. When I offer up, well, you know. Well, I see it, but. Well, I understand. And, and we begin to do that. When we choose not to follow the Lord's direction, it's not because we can't. It's because we won't. He's given us his spirit to empower us. He's given us word to direct us. If I'm not following his calling of me to new things in him, it's not because I can't, it's because I won't. When we choose to deny his calling to better things, it's not because of ability, it's a matter of our attitudes. I've said this many times to many people, and I'm probably going to say it throughout my time in a pulpit with a microphone. I received this from Pastor Mark Jordan when I served under his leadership. He said this, people do what they want to do. Want motivates us. When we want to follow the Lord's direction, we won't succumb to various excuses. Instead, when we want to please Jesus, we search for ways to do that. We look for ways to accomplish his goals. If we deny the Lord, it's not a matter of our ability, it's a matter of our attitude. God uses his word, scripture recorded it, 317, to prepare and equip his people to do everything good work. When I hear something from God's word that is challenging and I think it's beyond me and above me and and far more than I could ever do, listen, that's not a time to say, well, I'm probably excused from that. Rather, it's a time to say, if that's what God says and that's what he has for me, then I'm going to dig into this book because he won't call me to something without giving me instruction and giving me guidance and then I receive his spirit to be empowered to do what he's called me to do. Now, I said I was not going to get worked up, and I've gone back on my word. Hmm. Just in case. Hmm. Let's look at something interesting in chapter 4 of the same book. 2 Timothy Chapter 4, so after that verse 17, where he writes, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work, he continues on into chapter 4, and let's, let's look at the topic that he talks about after he makes that truth clear. He says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, Look at verse 2. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. And then he gives another warning like he did earlier in chapter 3 and as he did in the previous book in 1 Timothy. But in verse 3 he says this. Here's what you need to be careful of. A time is coming, 
When people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. These two verses are reasons to declare the word of God. These are reasons to be God conductors. And then in verse 5, Paul goes back to addressing Timothy and says this, You should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. In previous messages in this series, we've focused on how I can be a conductor of God's power in me. I've looked at being a conductor of receiving God's power and Today, I'll turn that a little bit differently to say how God's power can run through us. Not simply receiving, but being a conductor through us to others. So the title of our message today is God Conductors We Are, sponsored by Yoda. God is interested in our full development. God's interested in our full development. He said to Timothy, fully carry out the ministry God's given you, wholly, completely, entirely. God is interested in our full development. No matter where we are right now in our walk with God and our following of him, he sees what's coming. We're thankful for the distance we've covered and the things that have happened and praise God for that. But the Lord is thinking, you know what? Hang on, i got even better stuff for you. I've got more for you to know and more for you to understand and more for my work to happen in and through your life. I want to fully see things develop in you. Now, I'm going to mess maybe with your thinking a little bit today. God is so interested in our development that if you and I lose interest in that development, he might even allow pain to occur in our lives that would provoke us to continue down the development path. He might even allow the things that are happening around us and the things that are going on to to cause pain. Many of us, uh, there's just not many of us, most of us, there are certain things in our lives we really don't want to change until there's pain, until it's difficult. And so it's very possible that there are things that the Lord, he loves us so much, he desires for us to change. That if in his gentle calling, his gentle polling, if in his word, if in prayer, if in other opportunities, he has been trying and we still are not developing as he's called us to develop, it's possible he will allow some things to enter into our lives that would be uncomfortable and disquieting and would cause us to say, huh, and come back to the Lord and be moved toward development. He says, fully carry out the ministry God has given you. And then he says this, work at telling others the good news. I I want us to perhaps for the first time understand, perhaps to be revisited and appreciated again. That telling, working at telling others the good news is part of 
of the Lord's entire package for his disciples. As the many other good works that the Lord describes in his holy word, telling others is a God expectation for his disciples. As the writer of Hebrews wrote, probably it was Paul who wrote Hebrews, he made the same idea clear. In Hebrews 5 and verse 12, look at this verse. Paul's talking to them. He says, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Uh, These are not complimentary words from Paul. He's obviously frustrated. Boy, wouldn't it have been convenient if Paul, instead of putting for so long now, he'd have said, you know, it's been a couple of years. You know, a, a real concrete timeline, right? Wouldn't that be helpful? So that I knew on this particular developmental expectation of God in my life, I can know there's a certain time period. It's what we like in other areas and in other realms. We want to know the time period. But he doesn't. He said, for so long now, you ought to be teaching others. Obviously, Paul expected these Hebrew believers to be teaching others, telling others the good news, talking about, proclaiming, sharing the word of God. It's expected. It's a natural extension of our kingdom progression. So as disciples, you and I, as we are transformed by God's power and by God's word, we are molded, then the time comes when we share that information and And that transformation with someone else. Now the teaching and training that he's alluding to, it needs to happen at home. Husbands and wives, moms and dads, grandpas and grandmas must intentionally pass along God's word in their households. Must intentionally. How intentionally, how important, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments that I am giving you today. Look at verse 7. Repeat them again. And again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. You know, I first read that and think, man, that would look kind of weird. But, you know, around Seattle, not so much. If it were a tattoo, no one would think anything of it. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He's making it very clear that the things of God, the word of God, the works of God, it ought to be an ongoing part of everything we do in our discussion and our livelihood. It shouldn't just be what we think about for the first 10 minutes in the car when we leave this place during a worship time. 
It shouldn't just be the things that we talk about when I'm preparing to go to faith group and I want to be able to contribute something worthwhile to the discussion. Rather, it should be an ongoing and a regular thing without controversy. Teaching God's commands has got to begin in our homes. It has to happen. And yet, teaching others about God and His Word was never meant to stop at home. So Paul said, preach the Word. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people. Work at telling others the good news. Fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Paul said, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. So Paul is writing to this group of Hebrews And in his estimation, they are past due, fulfilling their calling. It's overdue in his mind. Now, I want you to know that these Hebrews were converts to Christianity. They were rooted in Old Testament teaching and in Moses and the law. They had an understanding, but they were new to Christianity. They were new converts. How do you know that? Well, because Jesus Christ had only come into this earth a few years prior, a couple decades back. This group of Hebrews had not served Christ their whole lives. They came into it later on in their lives. They found Jesus later on in their lives. And yet, even though they hadn't followed Jesus their entire lives, just part of their lives, at some point, Paul said, you know what? It's been too long, folks. Too much time has passed. You know, I read that and I think about my own blessed life. I received the gift of the Holy Spirit nearly 50 years ago. Surely. I fall into that so long now category. I mean, it has to be. Which causes me to ask this, when is the time that I'm going to teach others about the Word and about Christ? How long is it going to take before I'm there? When when am I going to be the person who relieves Paul's frustration and I surrender to God's fully developing in my life? When will I... At what point will I accept that telling others the good news of Jesus Christ is part of the development? Maybe I'm past due for working in children's ministry and teaching some others. Maybe I'm past due for sharing some encouraging words in my faith group meetings. And, and, and could it be that I should already be sharing the Bible over coffee with my neighbor? Is it possible? That months ago, maybe years ago, I should have been meeting a co-worker for lunch, developing a relationship that fosters God conversations. For years now, this congregation has been praying with specific places and peoples in mind. We've prayed over Everett Community College, and we've prayed over Providence Hospital, We've prayed over Naval Station Everett, and we've prayed of this neighborhood, the Bayside neighborhood. We pray over African immigrants. We pray over Asian communities. We're praying over Hispanic communities and Eastern Europeans. I wonder, could it be that the Apostle Paul 
scratching his head, wondering why I'm, I'm not already involved teaching others. When's that going to happen? When am I going to allow God's calling in my life to fully develop? I don't know about you, but these I find to be sobering questions in my life. Look once again, chapter 4 and verse number 5. Paul wrote, you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. Fully carry out the ministry God has given you. He said, you should keep a clear mind in every situation. I don't know about you, but that addresses the fact in my life, sometimes my mind gets cloudy. Sometimes my focus gets muddy. Sometimes other things overwhelm what I probably should be doing in terms of God's direction in my life. And Paul's words challenge me to keep a clear mind to the Lord's mission. And then he says, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. You know, I read that and I wonder, does Paul's understanding of suffering compare to my American understanding of suffering? When he says suffering, what was he thinking? And when I read suffering, what am I thinking? He happened to explain a few of the things that went on in his life. He said, even now we go hungry and thirsty And we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. Speaking of suffering, he said, we've been beaten and have no home. He says this, we appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we're treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to this present moment. Right as he's writing. He writes about suffering. We've been beaten, put in prison faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, gone without food. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. That means with rocks, not our modern term. Three times I was shipwrecked, once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. And Paul said, don't be afraid of suffering. Perhaps those are the things you think about when you think of suffering. When I think about talking to somebody else about Jesus Christ, about the power of God's word and the transformation of the Holy Spirit, you know, those, for me, those those aren't the suffering that comes to my mind. What do we consider suffering? Last summer, one of our faith groups, Nick, led a group that read The Insanity of God. In that book, they talk about ministers in Asia And in their definition of ministry, it really means faith group leaders. And in Asia, when they do that, every one of them realizes it's not if I'm going to go to jail, it's when. And every one of them expects and has, according to that author and the group he'd worked with, all of the leaders, hundreds of them, had spent at least one stint in jail and typically on average three years for what they believe. Suffering. Now, I'm wondering if people won't invite me to the lunch table again if I get too religious in my conversation. You know what I mean? Paul said, don't be afraid 
of suffering. What is it we fear? What's the threat of suffering that keeps us quiet? How often do we allow this fear of suffering to keep us from being God conductors? I mean, even those of us who are more reserved, we still have conversations. We still talk to people. Well, what are the subjects? We talk about hobbies and interests and news and weather. We speak about community issues and concerns. We talk about the workplace and our careers and the workplace environment. If we aren't talking about what we believe, about Jesus Christ and the joy of following him, I'm, I'm just offering for consideration today. Why not? Why not? Why, why does that seem to be one of the most excused good works in this book for believers and followers of Christ? It's intriguing to me. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. So Paul said, keep a clear mind, don't be afraid. And then he said this, work at telling others the good news. How many in the audience, just tell me this, raise your hand. You worked a job last week. How many worked a job last week? Raise your hands. Nice. How many expect to work a job this week? Okay. How many expect to be working for a number of weeks into the future? Mm-hmm. 30 hours, 40 hours, 50 or more hours each and every week, months And years on end, what do we do? We work. We work. Paul said work at telling others the good news. God conducting his work. Sharing the good news is is work. I wonder what would happen if we transferred the same consistency that we give our careers to telling others about Jesus. Uh, it's unreasonable or not feasible to say as many hours. A pa- pastor, I worked 50 hours last week. How can I spend 50 hours telling someone about others? That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting the consistency. That when Monday comes, I go to work. And when Tuesday comes, I go to work. Whatever it is, when the shift is scheduled, I go to work. What would happen if we brought the same consistency and the same commitment to that career into the work of telling others about Jesus Christ? What would happen if we worked at doing that? Just briefly from 2 Timothy 4.2, and I'm coming to a close. He told them, preach the word of God. Proclaim it, declare it, share it. If you have in your mind that preaching the word of God is only what I'm attempting to do today in this service, you're sorely mistaken. This is one aspect of sharing God's word. There's so many ways that we can talk about and share and discuss God's word. Some things he notes in here, this verse. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Whether the time is favorable or not. There's a readiness. There's an availability. Whether or not the time is favorable. Though it's not convenient, we still need to be ready. When you're leaving work for the day and you pass a co-worker's desk and they say, do you have a moment? And when you stop and they begin to just pour out what's going on in their lives and that ticker in your mind says, if I don't get out of here, traffic's going to be ridiculous. 
even when it's not favorable. You know, am I the only one who lives there? Even when it's not favorable to share the word of God. Even then we don't particularly feel like telling. Have you had this happen? Like on your most lousy day, coming to work or leaving work or around the house, whatever. The lousiest day, you're in a foul mood. And somebody brings up and wants to talk about Jesus. And in your mind, it's like, I don't want to do that. This is not a favorable time. I have had a lousy day. But in reality, Paul said, whether it's favorable or not, be ready. Be ready. The other thing he says near the end of that verse, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Patiently. Patiently. You know what that tells me? Not everyone's going to respond the first time you talk to them. Not everyone is going to say, you know what, I've been waiting my whole life to hear this, and it's just going to be that way. I am so uh, still jazzed about Ty finding our church last year. Uh, that somehow on a YouTube thing points him to a church. He finds us on the internet. He comes one week. He sits in a Bible study with Evan the next week. And the following week, he's standing up here and he's worshiping. We baptize him in Jesus' name. The next week, he's filled with the Spirit right there in that corner. And the following week, he moves back to his homeland. I hate it that he's gone, but that quickness, that immediacy, man, I'd love for that to happen with everybody. We didn't have to be patient with Ty. He's like, come on, bring it on. I wish everybody was that way. But some of us sitting in this room weren't that way at all. We're only sitting in this room because somebody was patient with us. And when we kept saying, yeah, but why? But I don't understand. Somebody patiently continued to explain and express and work in our lives. Patience is an attitude. Here's the thing, folks. I'm going to read this slowly. Listen to me. People don't just know Jesus. We've got to introduce them to him. People aren't always comfortable with Jesus. We need to welcome them to him. People really don't always appreciate Jesus, and so we inspire them to him. People don't always just approach Jesus, so we engage them and bring them along. People, frankly, aren't always correct about Jesus, so we must convince them from his word. People don't just understand Jesus. We are called to teach them. People don't just respond to Jesus. You and I must challenge them. People aren't always courageous to follow Jesus. You and I must encourage them. And so we discover their needs and we meet them where they are with patience. It takes patience. In conclusion today, guest service is fixing to help me out right now, and they're going to distribute to everybody. You're going to get, I don't need you to watch them. They're going to come around and get her done. But you're going to get an envelope looks like this. And I'll explain what's in it and what it's about here in a minute. So from Paul, every good work is powered by Scripture. Working to tell others is a part of his discipleship package we shouldn't be past due, fully carrying out our God-given ministry, and we should work at telling others. Now, 
I brought these, obviously, with a purpose today. This is a to-go cup, a hot to-go cup. Coffee, tea, whatever your pleasure, it's a hot to-go cup. It's not a storage device. It won't keep things fresh over the long haul. But I, I use this if I want to take coffee or tea with me somewhere else. It's, it's to go. Over here are boxes for priority mail. You can get a similar thing with other mail carriers, FedEx and UPS. Now, these are designed to take things from my house and transport them to other places and designations. Any place that I put the address on, they take them and move them there. And I don't know about you, but I finally broke down and bought a decent grocery sack. Because those other ones I've been getting free from everybody else, they won't stay open. And when I go to put my groceries in them, they all crush up, and it just aggravates me. So I bought one with solid walls. If I'm going to save the planet, I'm going to do it nice. You know what this is meant to do? This is meant to take groceries from the storehouse outside of that storehouse and transport them somewhere else. See, you and me, we're conductors. Conductors we are. When we walk out of here today, we're to-go cups. Understanding that we have of the word, refreshing of the spirit, it's to be taken beyond this place, not just to be joined in-house. We are God conductors. Yes, we ought to have things happening in our home, but there ought to be devices, you and I conductors, to take things out of our house and into places and peoples and associations around us. We are conductors of God's things. Indeed, this is a storehouse. If you want to come to a place to find God's word and his power and his presence and fellowship and association, you can load up with God's stuff in this place. But it's not just meant to be a place where we come and look around. Oh, look at all the fruits and the vegetables and the proteins and the various dry goods. And man, that's amazing. This isn't just a restaurant where you and I come to eat, but this is a spiritual grocery where we, as transporters, fill up and we take it from this place and we transport it to other places where we can feed others. God conductors... We are. This envelope is to remind you of who you are. You're a God conductor. Now inside is a standard card that we use from our church. We had these printed. We use these for various things. You might want to write a note to somebody on that card, put an address on that envelope, and tell them you're thinking about them, praying for them. You'd like to share the word of the Lord with them. But also inside there is a couple of these little cards. This is a series we're starting next week. Jesus Beneath the Surface. People think they know Jesus. I would suspect they don't know him like the Bible talks about him. And so for weeks on end, all the way up to Easter and probably beyond Easter, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to preach Jesus in every service. From all the passages in the Gospels where he said, I am. In addition to the cards, banners going up this week, and, and we've leased a four-by-six panel at the exit of the food court in the Everett Mall that'll say, Jesus, beneath the surface. 
We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to preach about Jesus. We're going to express Jesus. What happens in this house can't stay in this house. God conductors, we are. Perhaps that card is something you'll share with somebody and give to them and invite them to one of these Saturday services. Maybe that card is something that you'll put in your car to remind you every day, I need to be a God conductor. Maybe it's one that you'll put on your fridge and remember as you're unloading the groceries, I need to be a God conductor and share his word with others. It is part of what God would fully develop in every one of us. In conclusion, I had a conversation with a, an evangelist and a businessman. He's been to this church. He's helped us talk about praying with people around the altar. He told me recently, he said, I was working with somebody and I could tell there was a little something there. And so on our shifts together, I would say to her, tell me, what do you believe? And she began to express what she believed. And he said, really? So how does that impact your life? What does that do for you? Why do you choose to believe in that? And she shared a little about that. And he said, so how does it affect your actions and your choices, what you believe? And at some point it rang the bell and she said, well, what do you believe? And how does it impact your life? And since that conversation, she came and visited their congregation like ours, and she's not missed a weekend since. Just by simply saying, what do you believe, and seeing if they'll return the favor. What I'm saying is this, it's not rocket science. I don't know if I can do this. Then read the word. Everything that God inspires us to do, he gives us instructions on how to do so in his word. It's not beyond any of us. I'm a more backward person. You know what? There are people with your personality that will welcome your input. Let me talk about a little something closer. I went this week to visit Sister Montana Reed. She's in a rehab facility over there in Providence. And while I'm there, Sister Rita was there. And... uh, Montana told me he was there. She said, well, she was sitting and visiting, but she's outside. Sister Rita works the building. Rita doesn't need to do that. But she's going around talking to people. And I was visiting with Sister Montana, and she's pleasant enough. You know, I'm the preacher man. She's nice and kind, sweet lady. But Rita come in the room, and the whole atmosphere changed. All of a sudden, Montana's telling jokes, and they're laughing. It's a whole new world. When Rita come in the room. You see, you you may not see yourself like the person I just talked about or maybe like me or somebody else in the audience. You think, yeah, they can, they can, they can. But you you don't even understand what Rita's doing when nobody's watching and nobody knows. And I wouldn't have known except I randomly bumped into her ministering to people. Telling people the good news, just being a person of God, and let the Spirit of God shine through her. Wonderful Savior. Lord, we come against fear. In your name and by your power, we've already prayed against fear and proclaimed power and love and a sound mind. 
But Lord, we come against that particularly in this realm. There are other areas of our life that we've allowed you to develop us. We've allowed you to mold us. We've allowed you to transform us. But in this area, some of us have been hesitant and, and some of us have struggled and some of us, let's just be candid, Lord, we've, we've excused ourselves from this work. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for making excuses. Forgive me for going so long now. Not allowing you to develop this aspect of your work in my life. And in that asking for forgiveness, Lord, I, I want to practice true repentance and say I'm determined to do something different. I'm sorry, and I'm going to change. And tomorrow will be a different day. This evening will be a different evening. Lord, I'm going to clear my mind as Paul challenged us of the things that would cloud it and muddy it up. And I will not fear suffering. Surely not American suffering. Lord, I'm committed to work and tell others because I know how wonderfully I enjoy your power and your presence. I know how much I enjoy being in your word and being stirred by your spirit. I know how much I've enjoyed, Lord, the tremendous changes you've brought into my life and the blessings I enjoy every day because of you. And Lord, it, it just wouldn't be fair if I didn't help somebody else to know the same thing. Remind me, oh God, every day this week, I am your conductor. I am a God conductor. I'm a conduit of your truth and your word and your love to those around me. Help me to fulfill that. Remind me of it. Inspire me again. In Jesus' name we pray. And you say amen. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. Flows in the Holy Ghost.